another episode of Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. As always, I'm your co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And I'm your co-host, Elizabeth Connor. And how's it been going, Elizabeth? You had a good weekend? Yeah, um, it's been pretty chill. Just been That's doing good. some stuff around the house, running some errands, all that good yeah. stuff. Yeah, chill is definitely the word I'd use on my end. I've, uh... Blew a lot of today playing uh, Magic the Gathering Online, which is a really insidious game in terms of, like, long play sessions, especially if you've got, like, a goal you're working towards, because, mm. I don't know, it's just one of those things where since you're playing against another person, you feel more uh, keyed into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially on, like, longer games, you lose track of time, but... Uh, uh, on the on the more plus side, I guess, uh, we went and got Mexican for dinner, and uh, had a nice time with that. Good. And, uh, yeah, we've just been taking it easy. Y'all eating yet? Yeah. Um. We went over to Brian's grandfather's house, and we had Zaxby's. Oh, Zaxby's is good. How was the line? Oh, about the same. It's just one of those places that's always like backed up around the corner. Seems to be. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. but it's it's like it's just become one of our go tos. Like uh, we probably order from there once a week. Okay, you uh, you got any gift cards from there? Uh, not that I'm aware of. We have not, you know, for Christmas, Mom and Dad gave us the the box of gift cards. Yes, and each one is wrapped. Um, we have not unwrapped all the gift cards. Okay, so there might be one in there, and we just don't know it yet. Okay, but you like to keep them wrapped so that it's a surprise when you commit to using one. Exactly. Right. That's a that's all I've always, I've always enjoyed that idea. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you had anything going on apart from the old reading grind? Um. Let's see here. Work's been good. Uh, Andrew, my younger stepson, uh, he made the JV baseball team for his school. That's good. So it's baseball. Yeah, baseball. Okay, yeah, that's good. I don't know why. Maybe maybe I misheard. Maybe somebody misspoke. I don't know. I was under the I thought it was basketball. Now he, but he did, doesn't play basketball. No, he did uh no. like go out for the team. But okay, he, he was I'm not selected this year. Okay. But he did make hmm. the J V baseball team. So um you know so JV baseball is typically, I guess if you think about it in traditional terms, JV kind of serves like ninth and 10th grade mm-hmm. and then varsity is like 11th and 12th. Not, that is definitely not strictly speaking. Um, so, you know, it's like, it's a big deal that a seventh grader made that team. Yeah. I was about to say, cause he ain't ninth. No, 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 no. He, he's, no, no, he's no. in seventh grade. Oh yeah. So that's, that'll be interesting. So me and his dad have, uh, We've been like, oh, well, now we got to get, we've got to get gear. <laughs> oh boy. We have to, That'll we have to fun. get, we have to get gear so we can show what proud baseball parents we are. Oh, you mean like uh, merchandise for the when you're in the stands and such? Yeah. All right. I thought you meant like uh, training equipment and what have you. Nah, nah, he's got all that stuff. Okay. And That's and cool. Bernie is joining me tonight. Yeah, 
I would have uh, Feisty in here, but she's, I think, chilling in the living room with uh, the other cats. Okay. I think we're at a point where uh, she doesn't have to be shut up with me every night anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Last night, in fact, I believe she spent the night sleeping with mom and dad. And my concern there was that she'd be, like, getting all up in their faces, running around, scratching them by accident. Yeah. But she seemed pretty, uh, pretty chill. Okay. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But she's still uh, your cat, right? Yes, she is (laughs) technically still my cat. She, uh, I bring her into my room at night for, like, feeding her and what or what all. Yeah. I try not to let the other cats get around her kitten food. Not that that stops her from eating theirs. Right. So, uh, yeah, she's a stinky little thing. And, uh, I guess we'll need to, in a couple, month or two, I'll need to take her in to get fixed. I think yeah. I read somewhere you're looking at, like, the five, six month. Yeah, um, yeah, around the five to six months. Um, I know for dogs, it's... It's a little, I mean, dogs, it's a, it's the same time frame, but, like, with Violet, I tried to make sure that, like, I got her fixed before she went into her first heat. Yeah. And Especially I know... because, like... I, I know that that's kind of a very polarizing opinion. Oh, but... well, I, I would just assume, like, living around other people with dogs, you wouldn't want to, like, uh, like... I don't know, just, like, run into stuff like that. Yeah, that, yeah. Because uh, cause she's lived in an apartment her whole life, so. I mean, not her whole life. You let her out. Well, yeah, I mean, like, we go outside, but, you know, her home yeah. has been an apartment. Right. <sighs> but anyway, uh, I don't really got much I can recall. Uh, what need an addressing. We'll see uh, if it comes up organically, but otherwise I'm ready to get into book talk if you are. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, we've got a book, a reading challenge to discuss today, but before we get to that, we'll be taking care of any other reading we've been doing. Uh, I've been finished, I finished up a big book. Uh, well, not a big book. Reasonable size book that I had checked out from the library a while back. Uh, it's uh, called uh, Feral Creatures. Mm-hmm. Called... Okay, let me look. Uh, yeah, Feral Creatures by Kira Jane Buxton. It is the sequel to a 2019 book that I think I read back in 2020. Uh, so the year before we started doing the show, called uh, Hollow Kingdom. I think I loaned you my copy of that, in fact. I don't know if you ever got around to checking it out. But basically, it's a post-apocalyptic book told from the perspective of uh, abandoned house pets once all of humanity has been zombified. Oh. And the main characters of the first book were a, uh, a talking crow named S.T., and a, a bloodhound named Daryl, I want to say, mm-hmm. something. And uh, so the first book is about these animals sort of like 
coming together with other creatures and with like the like natural animals to sort of like build a life for themselves mm-hmm. in this post-apocalyptic world and uh, st is sort of like emotionally attached to humanity and human culture so he sort of takes like the law like the death of humanity as like a pretty substantial loss mm-hmm. but uh spoilers for hollow kingdom at the very end of the book sort of the setup for the sequel uh st is taken to alaska mm-hmm. where a bunch of other birds have discovered the last seemingly living human being like who's unaffected by the virus oh and uh ST and a bunch of other animals set about raising her uh, the and then that's where the second book picks up is with them still up in Alaska uh, raising her uh, the human named D into adolescence and then uh, uh, events and circumstances conspire to force ST and D oh wow I never put that together <laughs> I, the the book doesn't even make a joke of that. It's just... I, I never said it out loud. But anyway, yeah, so... They have to leave where they're living and go out and... Uh, I don't know. In some ways, it's kind of frustrating. But it's got that sort of middle book syndrome for, like, trilogies. I And I don't even know if it is going to be a trilogy. There's certainly, like, some meat at the... Meat, on, meat left on the bone of this one where you can imagine them building out a, like a third story or something. Right. But, uh, yeah, it, it's the sort of thing where the first book covered ground and then the second book you start off and then by and by you get around basically to covering ground that was covered in the first one. Like you get revisiting places, sort of like learning about things after the fact rather than hearing about them or like experiencing them firsthand. Yeah. And it just sort of, it's not the most engaging sort of uh, dramatic conceit, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, the writing's still good enough and the characters are strong enough that I uh, enjoyed reading it. Although I did, hmm, it's sort of an interesting thing to talk about. There's a component of the book where at a certain point in the first story, ST uh, gets injured and loses the ability to fly. Oh no! And so, yeah, it's and that's a co- a source of conflict for the first book, and then in the second book, you're already starting out from that point where St can't fly. They get around by various means, like just sort of hopping about or hitching rides on other animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think it's too much of a, le- a, re- a reach to to frame it as like a story about uh, living with disability. Mm-hmm. Like a a bird not being able to fly and yeah. what have you, and uh, so what sort of and where and like in the first book, you do get a bit of an arc of St. Sort of gr- growing accustomed to not being able to fly and uh, finding other ways to like contribute to his community and such, mm-hmm. or um, finding other ways to like get around and finding a place for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I feel it's trying to not talk out of turn where, 
this sort of subject matter is concerned. But uh, at any rate, it all comes up to the point of this book where it's apart from just like general concepts of like ST being the human's caretaker and the general like understanding of what all that all would entail. Mm-hmm. As far as the actual narrative goes, they're a very passive presence and are often like actively impeding the narrative in ways that can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Especially because like ST is like the POV character by and large, they're the narrator of their segments of the story. Mm-hmm. So like if there's something outside of ST's understanding, then, uh, we don't have like, it's very much played like that. Like what ST is saying is accurate up until it's not. Okay. And it, it just sort of gets frustrating because it does feel like they're for as much agency and involvement as they had with the first story after a certain point especially in this book they sort of stop being a driving force for the plot mm-hmm. and it very much becomes d's story which you don't get much interiority from d outside of like st's perspective of her mm-hmm. and so it's i i did enjoy reading it but the whole thing just sort of felt like a drop off from the first book and okay. uh, I think best I could say is I'd be interested in seeing how the series wraps up if a third book does come along. Okay. Yeah. So that was my book. That was the one thing I read apart from uh, the other thing we'll be talking about. Okay. Um, I read four books. Oh, um, really? And they, they were all part of the same series. Okay. So I completed a series, um, and it is, I, so I read all four books in the Maze of Shadows series, written by Catherine Ann Kingsley, um, and so, like, and these books all have to deal with, um, like, the fae. Oh, yeah, fairies. Yeah, uh... And it, it goes along the, and you know, I feel like out of all of like the, the, the fairy or the fae stories I've read, like, I feel like there's different tropes mm-hmm. within those, within that genre, uh, or subgenre. Yeah. Uh, so this one deals with like the, the seely versus the unseely. Okay. So you have like, do you know what I'm talking about when I say seely and unseely? Seely and unseely. I mean, I'm not familiar with the terms outside of just... So, seely is the daylight and unseely is the nighttime. Okay. So, in this particular series, um, they are all one race. They are all the fae. And they all live within the same world. However, they exist at different times. Right. So, the Seelie are part of the world when it is daytime, and then they go into their homes at twilight, and the Unseelie come out at twilight, and then at nighttime, the Seelie live in the world. And it's not just the people who are different, 
in this world in night and day like the actual environment changes like the trees change um the animals change like there are major what? like there are major magical changes that occur once the sun sets and once the sun rises um mm-hmm. so anyway that's that's what we're dealing with in this series um right. and the book the first book opens with uh, a human who's also a witch and okay. her name is Abigail and Abigail lives in a in a little in a little you know cabin a little one room cabin outside of a town she has been abandoned by her husband like so you know she's living like somewhere in England because it talks about her husband just up and telling her one day I'm going to go to the Americas and seek my for and seek our fortune and I will send for you later and then he just never does Right. So she's been abandoned by her husband. Uh, she receives a notice that her husband has sold the home and the property out from under her. And mm-hmm. the new owner is giving her a month to get out. And so when we first meet her, like all of this has already transpired. And she's got like three more weeks before she's supposed to leave her little cabin. Okay. And she doesn't know what to do. She's just very upset. Um, and then she is visited by a stranger. And the stranger, like a hermit stranger. Well, yeah. the hermit stranger is, of course, not a hermit stranger. The hermit stranger yeah. is actually Valroy, the Prince of the Unseely. Okay. And so he takes her back to his kingdom and he's like, I'm going to marry you because he cannot assume the throne and become king until he is married. And nobody wants him to be the king because when he becomes king, he's going to uh, initiate war on everybody. Okay. The Seelie, the humans, if there's any other worlds that he can find, he's going to declare war on them. So, so nobody wants him to get married and assume the throne. Um, mm-hmm. But, of course, he lays forth a task for her. And he's like, if you can solve my maze in this amount of time, I'll set you free. And if you can't, then you have to marry me. Well, so basically the rest of the series is about Abigail and Valroy falling in love tragic things happening romance happening a lot more tragedy and then a very an ending that for me felt a little too clean sure but at the same time based on my based on my previous knowledge of fay and how they work in literature the yeah. ending makes sense okay um this book, okay, I, I don't read a lot of books that make me cry, okay? Now, yeah. I am kind of an easy, like, I am kind of an easy crier. Yeah. A lot of bu- books don't really make me cry a whole lot. Yeah. I cried multiple times during the last two books. Okay. Is that, because like, where a lot of the tragedy comes in? A lot of the tragedy came in in those last two books. A lot of emotion happened. A lot sure. of, like, self-discovery, a lot of discovery of the other person. Um, 
just a lot of emotional stuff happened and and and, and it was just it was sad or it was overwhelming yeah. and yeah so I would say if you're going to investigate this series, if you make it to books three and four, you need to get some tissues. Okay. Alrighty. Well, we, you mentioned a, a four book series, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if you'd uh, pull, pulled the trigger on that book series you texted me about earlier this week. I had not. I, I wanted no. to talk... I wanted to talk about it on this episode, and then I will read it and give an update on the next episode. Oh, you don't need to feel obligated to do that. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I, I, I did it for the... You remember the shifter one with the gingerbread man? The gingerbread man, yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is, like, up there in terms of ridiculousness. Well, uh... <laughs> i mean maybe worse probably worse yeah i'd say probably (laughs) should we tell people what it is yeah so i was scrolling through tiktok (laughs) was this last week and i come across a tiktok about how apparently there is a series about apparently how there is coronavirus erotica and i'm sitting here like Okay, coronavirus romances have, like, been a thing since the beginning of the pandemic. But it's always been about, like, how people are finding love during the pandemic, you know? Right. Now, I haven't actually read any of those books. I just know that they exist. No, no. No, no. This is where a doctor who's, like, working on trying to cure COVID. Yes. COVID somehow becomes humanized and, like, she actually falls in love with the actual virus. Yeah. Oh, Bernie's upset. Bernie is so upset. And this is also a four-book series, and I have a feeling it's because each book is where we are introduced to um, a new variant. Oh, no! So- <laughs> So I think this is also a coronavirus reverse harem series. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> oh. <laughs> but like book one, book one is called "Kissing the Coronavirus," <laughs> and it's of a woman. Uh kissing a green man who's got like I don't know like little virusy things popping out of his body I don't know oh man hey Bernie I'm sorry Bernie I'm sorry Bernie say mom don't read that don't do it Uh, well uh, if that's everything we've read otherwise you want to take a quick break before getting into this week's reading challenge yes let's do it all right we'll see y'all in a minute welcome back to your words against mine thank you again for sticking with us we've got ourselves a reading challenge to discuss for this week elizabeth uh shall you uh take the wheel or shall i um i can before i take the wheel though i have a confession to make Yes. I didn't finish the book. Oh my goodness. 
My every dream has come true. <laughs> Can I ask if uh, the pushback to recording Saturday night rather than Friday had anything to do with it? Um, yeah, because I was, I don't know. I finished like my fourth book of my series that I just talked about. And for and I was like, you know what? I'm going to read this book. I'm going to start it tonight. I'm going to read the rest of it tomorrow and we'll be good to go. And that didn't happen. Oh, wow. That didn't happen. Yeah, it's longer than it looks, isn't it? It sure is. When I flipped to the back and was like 559 pages, I was just like, this ain't happening. I'm going to read what I can, but this isn't happening. I'm oh, good, man. but I'm not that good. Well, I'm good. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> I get the words. And because I didn't read it, you actually get double. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. So I guess we should talk about what the book is now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So I read up until, like, chapter 17. Okay. Um. So I don't really know what's going on yet. But from the title and the explanation on the back and from what I've read so far... What is happening is there is a... Did we say the title? Oh, no, we haven't said the title yet. I'm sorry. So the, the, the book for our reading challenge this week was Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. That's right. Um, and so, like I said, I, I am on... I'm getting... I stopped at chapter, chapter 17. I'm getting ready to start chapter 17. Um, so based on the title and the, the little blurb from the back and from what I've read so far... What I gather this book is about is the main character whose name is Hero Protagonist, which I just uh, love. Hiko is the, yep. Right, right. He, yeah. Um, he is a hacker slash swordsman slash pizza delivery driver who has to figure out what's going on with a virus that is both a computer virus and also like a real virus. Right. And uh, that's of significance in the story world because it's one of those uh, uh, cyberpunk sort of near futures where people can inhabit the internet like via virtual reality. Yeah. So similarly to uh, our last book and our last challenge, Otherworld. Yeah. Except I feel like this one is less about like fun and this one's more about just like a different place to hang out and go. Yeah, well, the source of the conflict isn't as intertwined with the conceit of there being a virtual reality. Yeah. It's not it's not like anybody's trying to escape the virtual reality or take down the virtual reality it's uh more just like a story that would happen in a world where the virtual reality and everything else was like this it's also like sort of a uh corporate a uh a corporate dystopia mm-hmm. where uh, the u.s government has all but collapsed and basically most of what uh exists is run through like giant mega corporations yep yeah which is wild 
Yeah, because the the pizza place that uh, the guy works for is run by the mob. Yep. Who uh, are like just sort of allowed to go around doing what they do in this world. And uh, there's also like a plot element of um, of like basically businesses being their own sovereign bo- sovereign bodies that can have like uh, what are they called? Like embassies? Yeah. Yeah. So you can like go so. to a franchise and seek asylum. Yeah. And uh, then of and course I- there's just like there's more grounded elements like our main character lives in a uh, one of those uh, storage locker things. Yep. And uh, he's friends with a girl who is like a sort of freelance courier mm-hmm. who traverses mainly by way of sketching. If you're familiar with the art of uh, skateboarders catching rides on the back of other larger vehicles. Yeah, and that's also yeah. a lot fancier. Right. Because they're, they, so, you know, they got devices to help them. Yeah, so I've looked it up in uh, my book at pay, uh, chapter 17. You should be at the uh, the the concert yeah. uh, portion where uh, I think Hero's roommate is in a rock band and they are holding a concert out by a... Uh, like An overpass. A abandoned overpass. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so some stuff has been going on there. Basically, the whole first part of the book is the origin story of Hero and this courier girl named YT, uh, short for yours truly, uh, have met up while Hero was on a job and have sort of become like loose partners on, in terms of uh, like the information trade. Mm-hmm. Because in addition to delivering pizzas, Hero's main job is basically just to collect whatever loose information he can get, file it with the in-universe equivalent of the Library of Congress, and then collect royalties for anybody who wants to acquire that information. Yep. And, uh, so... Question. Yes. Was Hero's age ever specified? Yeah, I believe he's in his, like, mid 20s mid to late 20s okay because so i know yt's um age like she's like i remember specifically she's 15 yes she is much younger than him and i'll uh i'll take the worry out of your head right now not to say that the story doesn't go to some places yeah but hero and yt are never like romantically entangled I, I kind of figured as much because of, um, I don't know, and I guess it could have changed. I guess, I guess I can't put too much, too much hope into the foreshadowing that I read, but like YT has a thought and then about yeah, well, she, Hero and then she's kind of yeah, like, she, well, if he's willing to do this, then he probably has more like scruples than to like mess around with a 15 year old. Right. And he, there's a character, like, referred to YT's boyfriend who never actually becomes a part of the story. But, oh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so it just seems more like a sort of casual thing. Not to, And again, not to say that the story doesn't go places. So uh, if you did want to continue it on with it, like for your own edification, uh, it's just sort of brace for that. Okay. But, um, it, so anyway, uh, just thinking in terms of like what you've read up to, it's kind of funny. You are really kind of at the precipice of where the story begins. Yeah. Like the, inter- the the concept of Snow Crash has just been introduced as this uh, virus or this drug slash computer virus that uh, infects you like online and in, in, impacts your like mental faculties. Yeah. Uh, I guess for the modern reader, the logline could be that, that you could think of this book as like, and this there's an element of this book that really sort of caught me by surprise, but actually makes a lot more sense when you look at Neil Stevenson's later works. Uh, there's a way to view this book as kind of a combination of Ready Player One meets... Uh, oh goodness what's it called the da vinci code oh okay because i i did you did uh was there any interactions between hero and uh juanita yes um yes they ran into each other at that club in the metaverse what's that called the black yeah uh, the the black sun yeah, they so they right. met in the Black Sun. You also got like a rundown of their history. Yeah, okay. So Juanita's like kind of a a religious uh person in her own right, kind of a religious scholar. And uh as the book goes on, you come to learn that the the origins and sort of animating force behind the Snow Crash conspiracy has ties to like ancient Sumerian like religious doctrines and uh the way that language manifests in the human mind that makes and so i've also yeah, i've met the librarian yeah oh yeah they've introduced the librarian they've introduced the point. librarian and like he went on like a little tangent about like babel and babylon so that makes a lot more sense yeah now they have it like another five or six passages between hero and the librarian where it's basically just neil stevenson going off on like old world studies and uh like it's kind of difficult to parse how much of what is conveyed in the book is like actual like irl scholarship and how Mm -hmm. much is just sort of like drawing on a general sense of like uh conspiracy theory yeah writing but uh i in the afterword for the book it does sound like a lot of the like academics that are cited in the book have uh like a basis in like real world academia Mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely the kind of thing i guess would send you down a google hole or rabbit wiki hole yeah but uh yeah so there's definitely a lot of that but uh as far as like I guess the like the big sort of like impact elements of the book are concerned, it is like a lot more of like an action story. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, you've had the early stuff with Hero and YT delivering the pizza and 
Yep. There's like the sword fight at the Black Sun. And uh, you actually stopped reading right before a really interesting chase scene. Okay. Where uh, they've introduced the character of Raven. Yep. Who's sort of like the go-to antagonist for the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there's like some broader stuff involving YT and her involvement with certain uh, groups. Okay. I guess I can go ahead and tell you, YT becomes involved with the Mafia. Yeah, I could see that. uh, Yeah. So, um, I think the early part of the book does sort of, like, tease that out, but it becomes more, like, central to the plot uh, as it goes on. So, yeah, it's... They, the book definitely goes some places, and it's interesting to think about, especially if you're, like, tied into genre fiction of a certain, like, video game-esque milieu, or, like... Yeah. Yeah. How much this book has gone on to influence uh, stories beyond it. Yeah. I Yeah. Something that I appreciate, because I am not, like, a gamer, I am not, like, into virtual reality i'm not like i'm not into like that side of i guess the creative side of technology i guess is like Mm -hmm. or anyway i'm not into like that side of gaming and technology and stuff like that um so but something that i appreciate is i appreciate how he how stevenson defines things but doesn't doesn't make it feel like it's out of out of the context of the story so it's not like you're going along you're reading something and then it's like next paragraph is just like a definition and then the story keeps going right well a large part of that is actually because this book was written in 92 i want to say or was published in 92 oh okay not only had a lot of concepts that he's dealing with where computer sciences are concerned uh, not been not yet been codified in the broader public consciousness. Mm-hmm. They're actually sort of being codified in this book specifically. Like concepts like a digital avatar, I think, were uh, sort of fleshed out here uh, originally. Yeah. So whenever you watch this... something, yeah. I didn't realize this book was uh, published that long ago. Oh yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was like and I, I told you the the other week. I read Neuromancer by William Gibson. That was nineteen eighty three or eighty four, and so this one was just eight years after that. Huh. And uh, it's just sort of going off of like where computer science was at that time. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's definitely. Uh, weirdly present in fact you might uh be have been hearing some stuff about uh stuff about like metaverses going on these days yeah this that term was originated with snow crash okay so the idea of like a digital all-in-one like environment yeah yeah so i I really enjoyed it I, uh, I am enjoying it so far. I will say, um, I feel like I'm reading this slower than I read normal stuff. And it is not because of a lack of enjoyment. It is because 
in my brain, I, uh, I liken this to a different book. Um, it's actually one of my favorite books. It's actually, I think I would say it's probably, it was, it's probably my favorite book. Um, Shades of Grey by Jasper Ford. Yeah, uh, I remember you talking about that. One. I love that book, and it and it is significantly shorter than Snow Crash. I mean, it's I don't know three hundred pages, three hundred fifty pages, something like that. Yeah. Um, but that book took me so long to get through because the humor in it was so dense that yes. it was like I had to read, and and like the chapters were very short. Like every chapter was only two or three pages. That, like, I would have to read a chapter and then set down the book and process it. Okay. And and the, the chapters in this are very short, but there is so much going on. Right. That I feel like I have to, like, read a little bit and then sit, sit it down and process it. I get you. And right. also, because of how big this book is, the books that I typically read and that I read so much of, they're, like... 200 to 300 pages. Okay. And I'm on page... I just finished page 164. And and we're still, like, getting some world building going on. I mean, like, yes, from what you said, we're getting into more of, like, the action. And we're starting to get more into the storyline. But we're almost 200 pages in. And, like, world building is still going on. Right. Yeah, that pretty much carries on through to the end. Uh-huh. Uh, you're always going to be, like, going to new places and having that sort of element of history and broader context laid out for you. But I do uh, enjoy the way, like, Stevenson keeps things moving at a fairly brisk clip whenever he's not, like, engaging in the more, like, like intrigue-heavy elements of the story. Right. Yeah. So, like, whenever a character is going to a place or meeting someone or actively doing something, I think the movie, the writing moves along at a fair clip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm glad you're enjoying it so far. I am. Uh, and I am going to finish yeah. it. Obviously, the word total is not going to count, uh, but it, but the book will count for, like, my yearly reading goal. Sure. So. Okay. Yeah, and now you'll be able to take your time with it if that helps. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I need to uh, add this word total to my larger reading total real quick. Okay, do you want but, me to do uh, my word total first? Yeah, you, while can you go do ahead that? With that. Okay. So, um, since our last episode, I've read four books, which brings my subtotal for the. Or for, which brings my word total for the past two weeks to 346,554 words. Um, that brings my total for this season up to 1,717,027 words. Um, and, and for the your words against, or my, my words against me, my own words against me. My own words against me challenge them. I'm currently sitting at... What is it? 17%. Okay. From last year. So of your of last year's word total. Yeah, of last year's word total. Not, not where I was, like, at this point last year. Okay. So... So, yeah. I read those two books, 
uh, Fear Old Creatures by Kira Jane Buxton and uh, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Uh, word count of 108,451 for the Buxton and a word count of 174,408 from the Neil Stevenson. And add on to the bonus for the reading challenge, that brings my current word total up to 893,172, which puts me ahead of this time last year in my reading goal. Mm -hmm. And as far as like my previous reading total, uh, puts me at 20%. All right. And how, how much did you say you were? I'm at 17%. Okay. So that's neat. Yeah. So you're still uh, ahead with the word, the raw word total. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's that's the fun thing of sort of diversifying your, like, axes, I guess, for reading challenge uh, parameters. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. And uh, now that we've uh, gotten all that discussion done, we've got a new word challenge to go out. Yep. And uh, I think it's appropriate that you've been talking about the book series that you've been reading and uh, all the other book series that you've been in to uh, so far. Because there is a book series that I've had on my bookshelf in its entirety or its near entirety, as the case happens to be. That I've been meaning to get into for a while now. And I uh, feel like I'm finally going to take the plunge. And feel like bringing you along with me. Well, it can't be the Murderbot week. series. Because we did that last year. That is right. That is right. <laughs> nope. The book I am having you read is the first book in the Aubrey and Maturin series. Called Master and Commander. Are you familiar with the... Uh, with the movie, Master and ah. Commander, Far Side of the World? No. This is a series of books based around, uh, I want to say, 17th or 18th century, uh, sh like, uh, like ocean vessels. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's like, you know how the analog for Star Trek is that it's like, like, 24, uh, like, however many years in the future and it's everybody on a spaceship but it's basically like a naval ship yeah this is like that but literal okay so like it's it's a series of stories set upon a naval ship in the like 1800s and uh there's a captain and there's a crew there's like i believe uh, Marturin or Aubrey, one of them is the name of a naturalist who is sailing along with the crew as they go about to places. And, uh, yeah, it's a book. I found the series like in its entirety at, uh, the, a charity book sale that happens every year, uh, up in Greenville. And I was able to get the, the bulk of the series that I hadn't collected yet for like, I don't know, like $15. Mm -hmm. It's a 20-book series so far. The author passed away while writing the 21st volume. Uh-huh. So it's not 
strictly speaking a series that seems to be built around like an end goal it's more yeah. just like one of those series where the guy is, has these characters that he's been writing and he just writes new stories for him every book so that that's your reading challenge for a month from now is to read the first book in the Aubrey and Marturin series Master and Commander and I will be reading along with you and look forward to seeing you in the next episode and we look forward to hearing from y'all our listeners if you want to follow us on social media Elizabeth where can they find us okay um so you can find us on social media at uh at your words podcast you can find us on Facebook Twitter Instagram TikTok literally club you can also okay. find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com and you can shoot us an email at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. That's, that sounds good. So I'm going uh, to let y'all uh, get on your way. Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure as always. Yes, it has been. It has been a pleasure. Yep. And as always, at the end of every episode, what's our catchphrase? Okay, bye. Goodbye.